Um, you know, uh, to be sure, COVID-19 has shut down life as we know it, and we live in uncertain times. In fact, the only thing that is certain is that life is no longer normal, and we're all learning to function in some kind of uh, new normal in this season. You know, at Christmas, if you're new to Christian holidays, Christmas is when we celebrate that Jesus came, that He was born of the Virgin Mary and that He lived His life among us. He kind of taught us how we should live. The Bible says He went about doing good to all, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. And um, at Easter, though, we don't celebrate that He came. We celebrate why He came. And uh, inasmuch as the times that we are in right now have a lot of uncertainty to them, the, 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 the Easter celebration finds its roots in the Jewish Passover. And there were two particular Passovers I want to talk about for just a moment that, that found their times uncertain in the same way we find ours. The first was the very first Passover. And the, the Israelite people, the Jewish people, had been slaves in Egypt uh, for about 400 years. And they had been crying out to God to change things. And, and the Bible tells us God heard their cry, and He raised up a champion named Moses. And you can learn about all that in the Bible, in the book of Exodus, chapter 1 through verse 12. But I'm making a very, you know, 12 to 14 chapter uh, uh, set of stories short. God had brought judgment on Egypt to bring his people out. He released 10 plagues. And the 10th plague, he was going to cause the spirit of death to pass over uh, the house the, the, or the whole nation of Egypt. And uh, anyone who did not have the blood of the sacrificial lamb on their house, on their doorpost, well, their oldest or their firstborn child would die. And so to be spared that, uh, God had, a, had the Israelites sacrifice uh, a lamb and put its blood on the doorpost. And this would ultimately point to the, the God's firstborn son taking the place of all the firstborn sons in Israel. And so they would put this on there. When they would go into their home, just like in our time, they were quarantined inside their houses. And I guarantee, as the spirit of death was passing over the land, they were contemplating themselves. They were looking at themselves going, wow, how is it that we found this kind of mercy and it wasn't about who was worthy inside the home. That didn't matter. It was the worth of the blood on the doorpost that determined whether or not uh, lives would be spared on the inside of that home. It... Now, Israel had been in captivity for about 400 years, so I want you to think about this. If you had been living a certain way for 400 years, and all of a sudden you're about to uh, go out into the wilderness, God's going to lead you. You're going to begin to follow a cloud by day and a fire by night is what the Bible tells us. And they would follow for 40 years. They would go through a time of testing in the, uh, in, the, in the desert. And the Bible tells us it was to test them to see what was in their heart, whether they would keep the commandments of God or not, before he brought them into the promised land. But I'm telling you, before they, once they stepped out of the, of, of the uh, strange comfort, as it were, of Egypt, because at least it was something they knew, being moved into the unfamiliar, into a place of uncertainty. It got to the point when they were being led around the wilderness that they would forget the miracles that God had done, almost desiring to go back to their slavery because, again, at least slavery was certain. And they moved to this time of uncertainty. And I trust 
You understand that. And they felt completely out of control. And our desire to be in control can tempt us to reject all the miracles that we've seen. And we can want to go back to that which is familiar. But the other Passover I want to talk to you about is the story of the most important Passover. And that Passover story takes place in Matthew chapter 26. Jesus Christ has been discipling or has been uh, training his disciples for about three years. And he tells them, hey, I want you to get a room ready and we're going to celebrate the Jewish Passover. Now, the Jews by this time have been celebrating this Passover for hundreds and hundreds of years. They know the routine. But in this special Passover, Jesus tells them, I've so longed, I've had such a passion to celebrate this particular Passover with you. And as he goes through, there's four cups served in the Seder dinner that they would have taken, four specific cups, and he holds up the third cup, the one we take in the, in the local church that we call communion. If you're a participate in a church, this is what it's referring to. And he holds up that third cup, and he says this, the cup, they called it the cup of redemption, this is the cup of the blood of the blood of the new covenant, my blood given for you. And he began to prophesy to them that he was going to die and to be resurrected. Now you get, you need to understand something. For the Jews, they had been waiting for the Messiah and they had come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, his disciples did. And they were expecting their Messiah to come as a conquering king that would conquer Rome, take over the land, and then in turn establish them as, give them places, high places, in the kingdom. But now at dinner, he had been trying to warn them about this, but now at dinner, he makes clear again, I'm about to give my life for you. And what they thought they'd expected in this desired outcome and the way they expected it to work wasn't about to work the way they expected. Have you ever noticed that uh, when your expectations don't go as you want them to, you enter a place of uncertainty and all of a sudden we could feel the same thing they felt where you feel out of control you feel kind of helpless in the situation? Well, after Jesus was crucified, before he was resurrected, that time period, they didn't know what to do. They literally hid themselves. Some of them went back to their old careers. They went back to what was familiar. They gave up this preach of the gospel thing and went fishing again. And Jesus had, to, after he was raised from the dead, he would go find them in their different locations and call them back out of that place of uncertainty not into the certainty of the future, but in the certainty of their relationship with him and what that would mean. And it would be hard not to connect the dots during this time where COVID-19 has much of the world in great fear and wondering and in a great deal of uncertainty as we spend most of, if, most of, if not all of our days, quarantined in our homes. And so today, you know, we had a whole, a whole different set of series that we're going we're gonna to push down the line to later. Uh, because we wanted to talk about the Holy Spirit and our relationship with Him. But we feel like right now, we just want to uh, kind of meet the need of where you're at because a lot of us are asking the question, what now? And that's the title of our series, What Now? And here's the thing. So many of us are trying to survive in this time. I found myself doing it. I was hoping this would be like a, a, a two-week vacation and it would be over with, right? Everybody know what I'm talking about. And, and right now, there's about 17 million people who've been laid off or, or out of work right now uh, in our country due to this crisis. And that creates a whole world of uncertainty. And so in this series, what now, we're going to focus on not only how to survive through this time, but really how to thrive in it. I believe, I believe there's ways that we can grow um, through this season. 
But one of the things that's happening to us is, as we face uncertainty is to some extent we're, we're grieving the loss of control of our lives. We've got somebody else telling us what we can do, and, 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 and that doesn't feel good. And, and then we've got the, our, our, our employers, maybe, depending upon who you are, have been laid off. And if you own a business, maybe you're not able to do work or get work, or you're the one having to lay your employees off, and that doesn't feel good at all. And there's, there's a, there's a, a, there's, there's a, we're basically grieving the loss of control. And maybe what I should say is maybe say it more this way. We're grieving the illusion of control that we once had. And this season is exposing the fact that we don't actually have a whole lot of control. There's a a famous theologian, uh, Reinhold Niebuhr, wrote the famous serenity prayer. Some of you may know it. It's used in places like recovery programs like Alcoholics Anonymous and others, but it didn't originally start out that way. It really was just one Christian's attempt to understand how to process all the things we face in life, and he summed it up in this prayer. It goes like this. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. His original prayer originally asked for courage first, and that's the way we're going to focus this series. And we have at least three messages that are going to come, and I'm just trying to listen to the Holy Spirit and say, what what does the congregation need right now? And again, if you're listening online and you're not a part of this congregation normally, hey, God loves you where you're at. He wants to meet with you where you're at. And if you could just listen to this, I may say things that pertain specifically as I talk to Lifeway, but I'm talking to you too. I just forget that we're out there in all these, in these other areas. And, and uh, we're going to focus on this. And today, you know, we're going to focus on the things we can control. Next week, we're going to talk about surrendering the things we cannot control. And then the following week, God wants us to grow. We're going to grow through this time through uh, getting new ideas to impact and to make a difference in the world. We're going to bring that out to you. But today, we're going to look at what we can control. And the thing we can control is, is us. Most of us were expecting or hoping that this would end within a couple weeks of starting, right, like I said, and uh, it didn't. And so we're going to have to adjust our thinking and the way we live. And so the title of my message today is called uh, Grow Healthy Habits. Grow Healthy Habits. And by habits, I mean disciplines, because there's going to be times when you go to do the things I'm sharing with you, you're not going to feel like it. And you're going to have to muster up the the courage to do the things you can, the strength, the grace to do the things you can. Um, And the things I'm going to share, they're not rocket science. Like uh, some of the, some of them are not even in the Bible directly. Well, why would a pastor be talking about things that are not in the Bible? Well, because they're they're very practical. I share with you uh, for those who were connected with us last week about a season of my life where I had a fear of flying. And I, could, I remember the speeches. I could almost give the speech uh, before you take off where they talk to you about, should the cabin depressurize, you're going to have a mask fall out of the upper ceiling. And you need to put the mask on yourself first and then, and then put it on, on your child or whoever's with you. And, the, and, 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 and these are very practical in the same way oxygen masks in an airplane are. And they have you put the mask on yourself First, and the world right now is depressurizing all around us, and building these habits will, will help you breathe and think clearly in your next steps in an uncertain future. And listen, I'm all about laying my life down for Jesus and for others, but you, you, it starts with you 
You have to stop. If you are frenetic and, and frantic in your mind, you're going to pass that on to everyone around you. I should also share with you uh, uh, previously, there was a time about, about four years ago where I came under great pressure and anxiety, and I would have these blackout moments where I thought I was dying. I feel this pain in my chest, and I, and, and, and I would go and I would take, I, would, I realized that I can't control whether or not I'm dying. What I can control is my breathing. And so I would literally go sit in my living room and just say, slow down heart rate. And I would say that in my mind. And I would breathe. And I would slow my breaths. And all of a sudden, the pain in my chest would dissipate. I had no control in my mind over the pain in my chest. I had no control over the black, the, 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 what I thought was blackout moments. But I did have control over my breath. And before we learn to surrender the things we can't control, I believe like control is a two-edged sword because on one hand, we really should control the things we are supposed to control. Our lives, our households, our finances, all the things we can do, we should do. But what, when we get beyond the things we can do, then we need to surrender those things. So today, I just want to look at what you can't control, just like I can control my breath. Just like if an oxygen mask falls out, I can put it on my face and then put it on the other. I can't decide whether or not that plane's going to make it. All I know to do is put my mask on. And in the same way, I'm asking you, while the world's depressurizing around you, well, you've got a lot of question marks in your mind. I want to give you 10 habits, 10 tips, 10 disciplines, maybe, that you can do that will help you. And again, these are not all in the Bible, but I think they will be super helpful. The first habit I want to give you is, and this is really basic, is, is like in this season, I want to encourage you, go to bed and wake up at a regular and healthy time. Because the temptation is going to be to stay up late, watch TV, hang out with your kids, because you're all at home. And, and I want to encourage you, you need, you need to establish healthy routines and practices for yourself that will help you just navigate life. And it starts by going to bed on time. You, you don't want to mess up your circadian rhythm. Your circadian rhythm is that thing inside you that like if you stay up real late till 4 a.m. with friends one time and then you try to go to bed the next day and you feel like jacked up for three or four days, your circadian rhythm has been violated. When I've done ministry trips over to Europe and especially when I went to Southeast Asia and I came back after three weeks, I, I would literally walk around for about a week in a fog because my circadian rhythm had got messed up. Don't let... COVID-19 rob you of your sleep. In fact, the Bible tells us in Proverbs, God delights in giving his beloved sleep or rest. So trust the Lord with this, and I want you to go to bed and wake up at a regular time, if you will. And uh, to be effective, you need to continue to lead and live with normal routines. In the morning, set your alarm, get up on time, and maybe even get up early. Second thing is get dressed for action every day. Get dressed for action. I've seen all the funny stuff on Facebook. People loving to, I've been in sweats. Lydia and I, for the first, we thought it was a, um, a two-week vacation, <laughs> an unplanned two-week vacation. I think we lived in our robes for like three or five days, I don't know, uh, probably two weeks, but I'm not going to confess that publicly, but maybe we did that, uh, maybe, maybe not, I don't know. Um, here's the thing, even if you don't see anyone, even if you're not doing a Zoom meeting where someone has to actually see you, or you're going to turn your camera on, or a, a video call, or when you get dressed, you send a signal to your brain, a cue that it's time to go to work. Get dressed and be in the mindset to be productive. I know some people, it might even help you to go, after you get dressed, get in your car, drive around the block, and come back. Anything to help get your brain stimulated because you had a normal, and now you're trying to adjust 
to this new normal. And so get, send that signal to your brain. Uh, it's hard for me to get up, to live unshaven, to live in sweats, and to be near as productive as when I get up and do like dress like I normally do. It's just the way my brain's wired. Now, some of you, if you work in blue-collar jobs, you, you throw on whatever you throw on that makes you feel like you're in work mode. That's really what I'm getting at. The third thing is spend time with God. After you get up, you set your time, you get up, spend time with God. Listen, every day. Spend time with God every day. This has been challenging for me, and I'm a pastor, and it's not because, it's not because of any other reason than my normal mode and routine and who's around in the morning and all that uh, is helped make that funky. Listen, I believe the Lord wants us to use this time to make just for innovation. Maybe, maybe that thing you were doing really wasn't that great to him. You know, we always say, I, I had a good time with God. But, here, but did he have a good time with you? That's the real question. <laughs> and maybe, maybe shaking it up a little bit will do that. I, James chapter 4, verse 8 says this. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Mark chapter 4, verse 34 says it this way. Talking about Jesus, he'd been discipling them, teaching them parables, teaching him his wisdom. They would ask questions. But here's what it says in Mark chapter 4, verse 34. And when they were alone, he explained all things to his disciples. And for what you're facing in this season, where you're going to find your peace, where you're going to find your strength is going to come from your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And when you take time to open up your Bible and to get quiet and to, to read and to think about what you're reading, we call that meditation, to think about it, it's going to begin to impact your heart. Listen, it's supernatural, meaning there's a, there's a force that's at work in the Holy Spirit that when you do it, it does its thing automatically. You don't have to try hard. You just need to show up. Open your Bible. I would recommend the New Testament. Go find the words of Jesus and the disciples, especially Jesus, and read and think about your life in the context of the kingdom of God. Because when we say draw near to God, he's going to draw near to you. How is he going to draw near? When's he going to explain things? When you get alone, when you worship, when you pray, when you read the Bible, when you meditate. And I want to really encourage you. Some of you, this is going to challenge you, but I want to encourage you to do it first thing. Because I find if you don't do it first thing, for me at least, that it gets away from me. There was a season in my life where I did it better late at night, but that's, that's pretty rare for most people. Most people will do better to do it first thing. And I want to say no excuses. You know, um, we can make excuses. And I know a lot of moms, you've you're got kids, as soon as they wake up, they're all over the house and they're wild and crazy. I want to tell you something about my wife, Lydia. She's uh, grandmother to, uh, of course, uh, four grandchildren, and three of them are running around and, and active. And she'll pull up on our TV, she'll pull up YouTube, and pull up our TV, or pull up one of these channels, and she'll pull up, she'll find kids' worship videos and things on YouTube. And we have dance parties, worship dance parties in our living room. She gets the kids spending time with God. So when they stay over at our house, she'll flip that on, we'll put the music on, and we're dancing around the living room. And they, it's for real for them. They are having an awesome time. And listen, you're being the worship leader leading them in it. No excuses. You're either good, you're going to make excuses or you're going to make progress, but you're not going to make both. Four, set goals each day. I don't know what that number should be. I know we all need goals. One of the ways to remove aimlessness from your life is to find purposefulness in every moment the best you can. Now, for me, I try to have two to three priorities each day, and then I try to get those done First, it's super helpful when you're working from home. 
There will always be other tasks. You're always getting other emails. In the pastoral world right now, where a lot of everybody got quieter, we got louder. We've, we've had, uh, you know, Pastor Vern and his team have been reaching out to people through email, asking how people are doing, making phone calls. It's because we care. We care about the healthy state. And I know some of you are phenomenally struggling with things like depression and, and, and just wondering about the reason for living. I get it. And some of you have taken the quarantine to the hyper extent of seriousness and, and it's because of your age or whatever, and you have to. And I know it is lonely, and I know so you may even be bored out of your mind, and you're thinking death would be better than this. Set some goals. And those, it could look like a lot of different things, but um, if you complete the, those three most important things, you're going to feel a lot better. And if you're among the group that has little or nothing to do, perhaps your work is dependent upon you being in an office a work site uh, uh, where you need to be, um, or your skills aren't needed right now, I want to encourage you to continue to stretch your mind. This is a season for you to grow personally. You can read books. You can download them. I can't buy a book. You can download them right from, you can ship them from Amazon if you like a hard copy. You can download them digitally uh, through a Kindle or on your computer. You can listen to podcasts. There's a podcast for everything out there to help you grow. Uh, this is the 21st century, man. You can find teachings for everything. Some of you, you've needed to make health choices. Babe, make it right now. Why don't you study? Don't, don't sit home and get fat. Study nutrition and things like that. Find out how you can make yourself better. There, there's so many things. Uh, parenting things are out there. If you want to, people sit down, say, we'd love you to do a daily podcast on, <clears throat> on parenting and things that we can do uh, with our kids. And it's all out there. Just research it. Type in things to do with kids at home. And you're going to find a lot of a lot of great things you can do. But but here's what I'm saying: set goals and grow. I guarantee there's projects around the house that didn't get done. Set dating goals with your spouse if you're married. Now, if you're single, that's a whole different animal. And I want to. Some of your goals could be: I'm going to call somebody. I'm going to write someone. I'm going to text someone. I'm going to find different ways to connect with the outside world and bless them. If you are if you if you are uh, stuck inside, you could do that. The fifth thing I want to encourage you to do is exercise for your health and well-being. What we're fighting against when we are indoors is ultimately we're fighting uh, the monotony of being cooped up in the house all day. And then our tendency is to uh, sit around and, and uh, veg out. And, and if it's, I, I want to encourage you not to do that. I want to encourage you to do some things that will help help your health. It can be good. Like for me, I've been trying to set, I have a little app on my phone. I try to take 10,000 steps a day. Now lately, because the weather was cool up here in Pennsylvania, if you're watching from Texas, you don't got this problem. But uh, in Pennsylvania, it's been really cool up here, like cold, not cool, like cold. I can handle cool. And so I would literally, uh, I would come work in my office here because no one was here. And I would literally walk around the facility. I did that multiple times. So maybe every hour I'll get up and take a five minute walk. That's super, it gets oxygen to your brain. It was just super helpful. Well, Jimmy, there's no Bible verse on that, and yet still it's working for me. Then I want to encourage you to do, this is the practical things you can control. Um, some people say, I, I, you know, you could get up and do some push-ups. You don't have to have a massive workout program. And here's what I want to tell you. You are probably not going to feel like doing this. And people will say to me, how do I, I don't know how to work out. I don't know how to do any of that. Again, 21st century. Do Google a at-home workouts and see all the videos come up. You can watch a YouTube video with that. Uh, my daughters have told me about Fit On Fit On app. It has like gazillions of workouts you can do. It's free, and again, it will help you do it. There's don't make excuses. Six. Designate a workspace. Okay, so this one's a little trickier. 
especially if your place is small, you got an apartment. Here's what I mean by a workspace. Set a space that is your, my chill out, relaxed space, and then set a space that is your place to work. Now, we have an intern living with us right now, so our extra room, which would normally be an office or whatever, is now his, his bedroom. So Lydia smartly brought a card table, a good old card table, square, fold out the legs, drop that at the end of our bed in our bedroom, and that's where I work when I'm at home. So when I'm at home, I'll pull the chair up and I'll set that up there. It's not fancy, but it is a space. That's why I didn't say set up an office, set up a space. For some of you, that might be standing at the kitchen counter working because that works better for you. For some of you, that might be at the kitchen table. Uh, but I know it's really hard for the brain if the same place you relax and chill and have fun or whatever you're doing versus the place you work in, that can be challenging, especially if you're an office worker. Now, for many of you who work outdoors or whatever, and you're doing projects, I saw uh, the Shirk, I saw Randy Shirk and his family had been working on a barn, uh, redoing that barn. Well, they're outside, so that feels like their work. So when they come in, they don't need that same kind of space. It's a little different. But I trust you get the idea. The idea is create, designate a space so you don't send mixed signals to the brain. Number seven, hey, take, if you're working and you're doing all this, then you're going to need to take breaks. Number seven, take breaks and rest. What happens to most of us in life is we have certain cues. So, for example, on Tuesday, I'll have a meeting with the staff uh, here normally at 10 a.m. Well, because we're not normally getting that meeting, we'll do it on Zoom or whatever, then I need to make myself get up and actually take a break. I'm a, I'm a kind of, I'm an overworker. I'm the kind of guy that will work, 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 work. And so uh, I have to make myself stop and, and take a break. And I wanna encourage you to do that. As some of you live taking a break, you need to do all the other stuff I just said. Set your goals and work and find balance in this. But, but uh, depending on your personality, you may need to set an alarm. My, again, my watch tells me every hour, stand up. You've been sitting too long. And so then I'll go walk around, and I'm glad it tells me that. It's almost like my wife. <laughs> um, step out for some fresh air. If workload allows it, take a day off and, and, and do those kind of things. Let's talk about your children. Number eight, serve your children with a daily routine. This only applies to you, of course, if you have children, but I'll, I'll, I'll go through this fairly quickly. But much like you're leading yourself to be regimented, disciplined, and effective, um, you can help your kids while they're out of school right now. I don't know what it's like all over the country, but in, in, in Pennsylvania, our governor has shut down school for the rest of the school year. And our school's offering continuing continuity of education courses where they're basically, and it's really hard for my kid because Carissa, who's, who's uh, still in high school, she's like, okay, I get a basically pass or fail. You know, remember when you were a kid, you were like in elementary school and you got an S, satisfactory, or O, outstanding, or U, unsatisfactory. That's the kind of grading they're doing right now. And if your child is like my child, she's going, what's the point? This gives, has no actual benefit. And I want to encourage you to help them see that there is a benefit. That benefit is that they go too long not doing the things they've been learning. They're going to forget them. It's just that simple. And so helping them, you're really helping them. Don't rob your children of the blessing of routine. So what's that look like? Well, it might look like you setting a time that they get up and show up. They get up, they get their own shower, they get dressed, they come out to the table, and at 8.30, they, they are starting their work. So maybe by 8, they ate their breakfast. At 8.30, they're sitting down to start their homework. And, and then they do that. You tell them, hey, no, no, no playtime on the computer, no video games, no movies, none of that stuff till you get 
your schoolwork done. You are blessing them because you are teaching them just like you don't feel like doing this and you have to discipline yourself to do it. You're teaching them more than the lesson they're about to learn is the discipline to make themselves do something they don't feel like doing that they really need to be doing. So uh, make them stay focused. And I want to say this to you moms who were not homeschool mothers who just suddenly became homeschool mothers, <laughs> right? Because that's, that's challenging. Um, I think there could be a lot of concern about, am I doing it right and whatever else. Listen, I seriously doubt in 10 weeks you can mess your kids up. And it's going to be a real opportunity for you to connect with their hearts, for you to hear things and learn things about them. I'm seeing it in my own family where I just get, because we're getting more time, conversations are real, but not, not, not ugly, just we're having real. I feel like I'm getting to know my kids in a way, my children in a way I have not been able to do that. And I hope you are too. Um, but I think they could actually come out ahead of where they might be normally. You know, I, I'm, I'm convinced, I'm a personal, I believe in uh, uh, the law of diminishing returns, which says after a certain period of time, more hours doesn't equal more productivity. And I think three hours of intense study in something would be better than sitting at school all day, and I think you're gonna find that they're, they're gonna make great progress. I know it's hard work to try to do your own job, do the stuff around the house while teaching your kids, reminding toddlers, but I wanna encourage you, you do your best and you let God do the rest. The ninth thing I wanna encourage you to do is you need to win the battle in your mind. I, I think the hardest part of any crisis is the battle that roars on in your head. We can begin to wonder, is this ever going to end? You know, what about my bank account? What about finances? What about, you need to learn to take, the Bible talks about taking captive very vain thought and imagination and bringing it captive to obedience, bringing it captive to obedience to Christ. Um, while that's applied differently, right now, the way the thoughts come into your head, that's where the panic starts. That's where the fear starts. And we, the Bible, we looked at last week in a message uh, if you didn't hear that, you can go back online in our fight series, the last message in our fight series. God's given us a spirit of, uh, uh, not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And you, and you need to exercise. This is, you actually can't control your mind. Don't let it run. When it starts thinking about, turn the news, if the news is making you crazy, turn it off for a while. Again, go, go, go see point number three. Go read your Bible. Go meditate. Go talk to God. Ask him to give you perspective. Here's what I want to tell you, though. Um, and this may be hard, and you're going to face some tough decisions along the way. I'm sure of it. I'm, we're having to face those here. This is going to pass. This is going to pass. This season will not last forever. It's going to pass, and you're going to make it through. And I want to encourage you, you're going to make it through. I want to encourage you that you can trust God to carry you through this time. And so when those thoughts assault you, this is going to pass. I mean, I look at history. I mean, Pastor Vernon and I, I've talked about, you know, growing up, when we were growing up, the big fear was the Russians were going to blow up, blow us up with, you know, nuclear missiles, atomic bombs. That was scary. When you're a kid at 10 years old, learning about all this stuff, your grandfather makes it more real because he's got a shelter out back. That bomb shelter, by the way, ultimately became a, uh, uh, a place for cans and whatever else, canned goods, because <laughs> no bombs happen. We got through that season. When I was young, the AIDS epidemic hit the planet. Before they understood how it was spread, everybody was scared to death of AIDS, you know? And now, of course, we understand better how those things work. And again, that, that passed. We've been through all these different viruses and things that have hit the planet, and it's passed. 
the bubonic plague. We, we never came up with a immunization for that. There was no help. It took out a significant chunk of people, and yet humanity got past that. In fact, when God really wanted to get us through it, Noah's flood, and only a few people came out of that deal, still God <laughs> brought us through. So this will pass. Here's the thing. You can't control everything, but you can take control of your attitude. And I want to say attitude is everything. Having positive attitude that it's amazing to me to see the differences of people. I'm walking around smiling at people at the store through my mask. You know, they could see my, I was talking with Hannah Keys beforehand, and I said to her, I said, I'm smiling through my mask. Well, I can tell you, she said, your eyes are smiling, you know. Make your eyes smile at people when you're out. Take control of your attitude. Don't let your mind wander. Don't dabble in what ifs. Don't dwell, listen, don't dwell on excuses about why you can't grow or lead in your current situation. Remember, you're going to uh, make excuses or you can make progress, but you can't make both. And the tenth thing, and this sets up where we're going in, in surrendering things we can't do, is surrender to God. See, this tenth discipline, and it's a discipline, surrendering to God. I've never met, you know, see, I've never met anyone who felt like surrendering to God. I mean, I just feel like surrendering. No, usually we're surrendering because whatever it is we're facing is difficult. It's not surrender when I'm going along. Surrender is when there's a conflict of wills, and then I need to go, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do it because you say so. Let me explain what I mean, though, because this, this tent discipline is the first step in dealing with what you cannot control. Let me explain what I mean. John 16, verse 33 says this, I've told you these things. Jesus said this to his disciples as he was about to leave. I've told you all these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. Oh, come on, if you're on the chat forums right now, type the word will. You will have trouble. If you're at home, look around at your kids. Don't give them a false gospel. You will have trouble. But take heart, Jesus said, I've overcome the world. What does that mean? Again, at Christmas, we celebrate that Jesus came. At Easter, we celebrate why. The Passover for Jesus wasn't just a symbolic act he was gonna walk through at a meal. He was going to take, go from that meal and become the Passover lamb for us. God was about to give his firstborn son to save the world, to save all the sons and daughters of this planet. Why? Because Jesus really does love the little children and the old children and all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, and any other color you can make up. They're precious to him in his sight. Jesus would leave that Passover dinner. He would take his friends and invite those a few disciples, three of his closest friends out to go pray with him. And he'd go to this place called Gethsemane. Gethsemane means the oil press. Another way to say it is the crushing. And Jesus' prayer was going to look like that. He was gonna pray to the point of shedding blood, the intensity of that prayer time. And he, the Bible says he is tempted in all the ways you are. He feels what you feel. He feels the pressure of, of really, of feeling out of control, even in the area of your own death. And he, was, he went there, he went to the place of prayer. And he knelt down. And he prayed. And he wrestled. 
And then he went to the cross. He went to the cross. Here's the why. We have sin. We have this thing, this humanity since the time of Adam and Eve have missed the mark. And honestly, it's been our control issues that have messed us up. God told them, hey, look, originally Adam and Eve, there's two trees in the garden. Well, there's a lot of trees in the garden, but there's two specific trees I want to talk about. The tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. And you can eat freely from the tree of life, but in this tree of knowledge of good and evil, don't do it. And the day you do it, you'll surely die. The devil comes along and deceives them and says, no, take control of your life, Adam and Eve. God doesn't know what he's talking about. He's robbing you of being a God. See, this whole thing related to surrendering to God has always been the crux of humanity's issue. And listen, Jesus said, I've told you these things that me, you ha may have peace. I want to tell you where peace comes from because I know it personally and I know it well. Peace comes from surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. When I served in the United States Marine Corps, there was a time I lived a party lifestyle. I lived a broken life. If you would have asked me though at that season of my life, if I was a follower of Jesus, if I was a Christian, I would have told you absolutely. And I lived this kind of mixed life, this, this conflicted life. In a lot of ways, I love what Jesus stood for. Not too different from many of you watching right now. Not too different from many of you who come to church. You come to church on Sunday because you know it's right. I used to go to church with a friend of mine. And we would go to church every week, every single week. You know when we did that? After partying all night and living in sexual immorality with our girlfriends or whatever, we would go to church every week. And some of you are in the same place. It's time to surrender. Because that life is not bringing you peace. I know it personally. I had no peace in that time. And I know you don't either. Jesus died for us. He paid the price for our sins so that we don't have to. That anyone who believes in it would not perish, but have eternal life. Listen, some, some say yes to Jesus in the hopes that they will have the opposite of the statement, in this world you will have trouble. They are hoping that receiving Jesus removes the trouble. It doesn't. Receiving and surrendering to Jesus brings you peace in the midst of the trouble. Here's the thing. You're not always gonna have power to control. Control your circumstance, your situation, that person you care about, but you will always have power to surrender. So let me ask you a question. What are you trying to control right now in your life that God wants you to surrender? God, I'll, I'll trust you with my salvation. I'll go to church, but not with my kids. I need to control that situation. God, I trust you with my salvation, but not my health. God, I trust you to a certain extent here, but then not over here. What is that for you? Fill in your own blank. Listen, you can't control the trouble in the world. You can't control the economy or bad leaders. You can't control the news or the media outlets of the world. You can't control the future, and you most certainly cannot control when you will die. But you can control whether or not you'll surrender to God. For Jesus, surrender looked like Matthew 26, 39, in that prayer time I told you about. Oh, my Father, he prays, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. 
Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. For Jesus, that was mean. He was going to go. He would say, he would leave that place, say, God, I don't want this to have to go the way. It's somewhere between the, if it can be this way, our desire, you have a desire, Jesus had a desire, we get desire. If it can be this way, nevertheless, not as I want, as I will, but as you will. Somewhere between if it can be a certain way, that desire, and between nevertheless, your will be done, somewhere between if and nevertheless is this place called trust. It's this place called faith. Where I realize that God has a much bigger perspective of what's happening in the world than I do. And whether I, listen, trust to me is this simple statement of the Apostle Paul. Because I've had people question, are you okay? Are you out of your mind? You keep going to church and you do these things. Aren't you afraid of getting sick? And I'm like, look, man, I, I can't lose in this deal. Paul the Apostle said it this way in the book of Philippians, to live is Christ, to die is gain. I believe that. I've surrendered to that. And if I live on, I'm gonna serve the Lord. And if I die, I'm gonna go be with him. Either way, I win. Some of you Christians out there have not embraced that reality. And, and, and you are pre-surrender. You, you believe in Jesus, but you have not given yourself over to who he is, to his lordship, to his leadership and trusting in that. When Mary, what surrender meant for Mary, so surrender to Jesus is Jesus saying, not my will, but yours be done. He gets, he, who knows, he may have got that from his mother. When, Christmas story, when the angel shows up and declares she's gonna have a child, she says, let it be, just to the angel, behold, the maid servant of the Lord, I surrender. Let it be to me according to your word. You know what, you know what happened for her? That mom who raised that son from infancy, who carried him in her womb, would watch him die on a cross. She would watch and surrender in resignation that the prophecies were true. And she would bury her own son who took on the sins of the world that he didn't commit so that you and I could find life. Listen, the things we go through are not always pleasant, but they are always good. It's really important. The Bible tells us that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Here's what Mary knew. She knew she wasn't in control, but she was surrendered. I want to talk to you again about the things that you are trying to hang on to. You're going to find peace, not by doing this, not by clutching, not by trying to stay in control. You're going to find peace when you do this. You're gonna find peace when you do this. You're gonna find peace when you say, Lord, if this could change, I want it to, but not my will, but yours be done. Listen, if you're a part of the church of Jesus Christ today, you belong to Jesus. Maybe you haven't surrendered, you need to do that. If you're gonna find peace right now, you most certainly should take control of the things you can. But friends, there's a whole host of things that are well out of our control. And I wanna encourage you to um, surrender. But there's also many of you out here, you're the sound of my voice. You're afraid out of your mind right now. You're either what we call a prodigal, that means you knew the Lord at one point and walked away, or you're someone who's never known Jesus Christ. 
not really. You may have been to a church once in a while, but you have never actually surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus. To be a Christian means that you believe that Jesus came from heaven to earth, that he died on the cross for our sins, and that he rose again. You, you Basically, you believe the Easter story. And you believe why he did it, because you're a sinner and you need a savior. Now, he wants to give you forgiveness of sin right now. He wants to wipe out the handwriting of requirements that was against you and, and bring peace to your life. But you have, to, you have to say yes to Jesus. If you're out there today in the sound of my voice, I want you to pray something like this. I mean, you're saying, I want to say yes to Jesus. This, you believe this good news and you're saying, I want to make a covenant. I want Jesus to lead my life. And I'm going to surrender to his leadership and trust him with the outcome. I'm going to do the part I can do, but I'm going to let him do the rest. Pray this with me. Say, God, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I need the sacrifice of Easter. I receive your death on the cross. And, and, I, and I, 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 I believe in your resurrection from the dead. And I ask you to save me today. I confess, Jesus, you are Lord of my life. Fill me, Holy Spirit, and lead me and empower me to live a life that's pleasing to you. Empower me through grace to live a life that's surrendered in trust, that you'll carry me through this time. I'm going to do the things I can't control, but I release to you all these things that make me afraid, angry, frustrated. I surrender those to you right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, heaven right now is rejoicing with those of you who prayed that prayer today. Listen, if you prayed to receive Christ, I want you, we're doing something a little different today. If you prayed to receive Christ, we've, we want to hear from you. And we, I would love for you to pull out your phone right now. And you'll see it come up on your screen. If you're not seeing it on the screen, uh, text the words, all for Jesus all for Jesus, all the number four and Jesus, all for Jesus to 97,000, 97,000. And let us know, we wanna celebrate with you. There'll be some other opportunities for you to engage in things, there's some links that we'll send. But let us know that you prayed this prayer today. We wanna we want celebrate and rejoice with those who surrender their lives to Christ. Listen, we have those online prayer requests up at the top of, uh, if you go to our, our LifeWays website, you have a way to connect with us. You can fill out our uh, online prayer request. We wanna pray for you. We have an online connect card. If you're at the church online platform, those links are easily available right there. There's connect and there's pray. And I, I wanna encourage you to do that and be a, and participate with us today. I'm gonna have the worship team come up and, and finish this. We're gonna celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Him coming out of that grave equals hope for our future. May the Lord bless you and keep you this Easter. May he bless your families and strengthen you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, we're gonna worship right where you're at. Put your hands together like this. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my turn till I met you. And I was breathing in the night alive. And all my failures I tried. Come on in. You come. 